welcome to Slayerfest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and welcome to our first 25th anniversary recording of Buffy Season 2. Uh, I feel ancient every time I say that any season of the show is 25, but here we are. Um, and today I am joined by two wonderful guests. She makes iconic memes about American Girl dolls. Hi, I'm Lydia. I'm also known as Click Clitridge on uh, Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> and he is a pop culture writer. Hi, guys. I'm Harrison Brocklehurst. Um, yeah, I'm a journalist from the top. And Harrison, I feel like you and I became friends because of Buffy. Isn't that how we like started following each other on Twitter? Yeah, I think... I can't remember if it was when I did my first like character ranking thread like ages ago, if that was when we started following each other or, or if it was kind of before that. But yeah, I've been tweeting about Buffy for years and years and I feel like <laughs> we, we must have just come across each other like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember us like DMing about Buffy yeah. uh, like the first time we followed each other. Uh, Harrison, do you want to give us your Buffy origin? Yeah, I mean, my Buffy origin is like so far back that I haven't even got like a specific moment where I remember... It started because I'm only 26, so Buffy came out like just as, rude. <laughs> it came out just as I was pretty much born. But my first memory is like making I was at like a game shot with my dad, and I was begging him to get me like the original Xbox with the original Buffy game I like, included, and I, that came out in 2002. So I must have been six then. And I was already like a fan, so oh I've been like <laughs> growing up with the show, like watching it. Kind of, I don't know. I guess I was probably just a bit bemused and enjoying it, like without really knowing the details as a kid. And then as I've rewatched it over and over again, growing up and just like discovering the nuances. And now, obviously, it's like my favorite show of all time. And That's... my friends sometimes send me a picture of like whatever outfit Buffy is like wearing in the episode, and I can like name it and the season from like the outfit. So that's the level we're at. <laughs> You know, I feel like that's a superpower with us, like, Buffy stands is being like, oh, yeah, that pink top, that's from this episode. Like, knowing immediately where yeah. the, like, outfit is from. Or Sarah's hair as well, like, ultimate giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually the hair is, like, the first giveaway. Um, Lydia, do you want to give us your Buffy origin? Yeah, so I uh, feel feel good that you're 26, Harrison, um, but I, I'm 24, so these episodes are ah! turning 25. I'm a little bit younger than them. Um, and my my Buffy origin story wasn't quite as soon. I definitely remember, like, my mom loved the show, and so I remember mm. watching, like, reruns and, like, different episodes with her here and there. I just remember it being on in my house. But I watched it for the first time when I was in high school, um, which now has been 10 years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really like watching old TV growing up because um, I just felt like it didn't really hold up. And I found it kind of cringe. And like mm -hmm. the way they talked to women was kind of cringe. Um, but I thought that Buffy was like one of the only older shows that I really like latched onto and loved. And and I just started rewatching it. This is my first time rewatching it. And I'm currently on season three. So. Oh, nice. You know, it's funny because I do feel that same way. Like, and, you know, I am <clears throat> older, but, like, I grew up with those shows, and, like, I have trouble going back to old shows, especially a 45-minute, like, genre show, because usually those are the most dated of older shows, but, like, I, I never feel that way with Buffy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's, there's aspects of it that definitely haven't aged well, but it doesn't sure. feel, like, <laughs> completely, like... 1997 cringe right it just doesn't I think my th thrill with going back to it is pretty much every time i do a rewatch i like watch it with someone who's never seen it before like i always do it with a new flatmate or anything like that mm -hmm. never, or a boyfriend lol or anything yeah. like that um and i kind of w watching those people who've never seen it still get so much from it now and be like so amused by the comedy and the writing and stuff it, you, it just proves that it was like you know leaps and bounds above the rest at the time and still is yeah yeah um i've made 
every guy I've dated go through Buffy and any roommate I've had go through Buffy. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Because <laughs> and, I, I mean, like, if they're going to be with us like, and it's such a big part of our lives, like, come on, right. you can't get on board. You, you have to, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about when she was bad, it turned 25 on the day this is releasing, not the day we're recording. Uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think this gets a little, like, Eh, like brushed aside in the realm of like when people talk about season premieres, but I do think this is a really good season premiere that had to do a lot of like moving the pieces around to make sure we were good for the rest of the season. Yep. And I think it did it in a really good way. Uh, Lydia, what did you, how did you feel once you rewatched it? Yeah. So I rewatched it not that long ago, like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe in the past like month or so, but then rewatching it again, I really was thinking about it in that different way of how we were really have, she really did wrap up sort of season one and you could sort of tell like the production quality was like higher. So there's like a lot of stuff sort of like going, going on and like moving around. But I I thought it was really impressive how they brought back, you know, this idea of, oh, we really do want to like close off this idea that she faced all this trauma at the end of season one. And I feel like a lot of shows don't have their characters process this trauma and, you know, cause it's fiction and it's TV. She kind of gets through it in one episode, but the fact that they like really took the time to, to do that. And you see Buffy sort of like make these mistakes that, that any teenager would make, you know, after experiencing some kind of traumatic event Um, to, to have her like get to make those mistakes, I think was really, really cool and interesting to watch. I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, yeah, I I really do like, I mean, like you said, it's a TV show, so it's wrapped up in one episode, but I do like that we at least even have the one episode to be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be traumatic for a 16-year-old who (laughs) went through, like, that would be traumatic for anyone, but especially, like, a kid. Um, Yeah, so I do really appreciate that. Harrison, how'd you feel when when you rewatched it? Um, I like this episode, but I never, ever feel like it really pushes into, like, a true wow Buffy episode kind of Mm -hmm. status. Um. I feel like, like you said, it puts a lot of cogs in motion and I think it does that really well, but it's kind of, I don't know, there's part of me that always kind of never fully believes Buffy's behavior, um, mainly mm. because I don't think she ever acts in, out in that way ever again and like with the other times when she's been upset or gone through something, I don't know, I feel like the the kind of trauma part where she's like really distant and vacant, I really believe, but then when she's like, some of the, her behavior or like the way she says things in this episode, I'm always a bit, I don't know. All right. But I think it's a really solid episode. And I, yeah, it's a blast. It's a Buffy episode. But I do, I just, you know, miss that sometimes. Like it doesn't ever get to that next level for me. That's fair. And I do always say that, that right? Even like a Buffy episode that isn't that good is still like a lot better than a lot of other mm. TV shows, right? Like, but yeah, so this episode, I, I forgot that we got the, instead of previously on Buffy, it's like last season, and they do a pretty good job of like wrapping the season up in like 10 seconds. We open on a cemetery, like I think they do every single season. I don't know. Harrison, do you know, is that true? I think so, right? Yeah, I think it is. Think about it, but I've never thought about it until this moment. <laughs> I've never made the connection. Because season three, it's it's Willow, the fake out yeah. that it's Willow in the cemetery. But yeah, so we get uh, Xander and Willow, they're kind of reminding us that they're telling us that Buffy wasn't there for the summer. They're doing a little cute, uh, like movie quote game. What do we feel about this dynamic? How do we feel? I hate it. I'm very <laughs> anti. I really dislike it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that they like have this kind of chemistry because they are good friends, and you know you sort of see that, yeah. that relationship sort of grow. So like, I hate how much they kind of make it work, but I think that's just the actors being good. I I hate every second that they have this sort of like. <laughs> Willow pining over him because Willow's just so much better than him. Yes. And I actually do really like 
Um, I don't know if like, can we do spoilers for the rest? Yeah. Of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two? Okay, yeah. cool. I really like how season two goes for both of them. I really like um, Xander with Cordelia, and I really like oh. with Oz, even though like you know they're they're not really the end game pairings there, but I do like them, especially in mm. season two. Um, so having them together just makes me so frustrated. <laughs> Harrison, <laughs> I. Even though I completely don't see Willow and Xander ever together, obviously, I'm not, I don't ship it, I don't care. But I do think when they have those like little flirty moments, they always happen so organically and like feel like they catch me and I'm like, oh, that little moment, it really feels natural. Like, you know, friends I've got with in the past or whatever, you don't have to think of yourself with them for like a long time, but like I right. love them, that authentic kind of just like the little moment. Then it shows why they're not good when Willow tries to recreate it, you know, with the ice cream yeah. thing. You can, when it happens organically, it works, but when they try and force it, it doesn't. And I, I don't know. I feel like this whole episode particularly is really good at establishing their like long-term friendship. Mm. Um, like there's another, like you can tell they've spent all this time in the summer together and it's really naturally like comes across. But even like later on, there's a bit where they like swap snacks really fast and they just like chuck it to each other. They don't even say anything. And I think, well, this episode, but then the season as it goes, it's really good at developing that friendship dynamic. Yeah. See, I, I also really hate the implication that they would be together if Buffy wasn't around. Like, that just annoys me. I don't like that. And that I feel like, you know, they have that scene where, where she got, gets the ice cream on her nose and, and he's like, oh, it, your nose looks so tasty. And then she tries to recreate that later and it doesn't work because he's like looking at Buffy. Yeah. That again, that, oh, I just don't like it. It reminds me of like some of the ways I don't think Buffy is always the best friend, which I don't really... Mm think is uh i i like the way that their friendship is portrayed but anyway everything about it makes me feel icky i'm sorry ian i didn't mean to cut you off oh no no no, no. i i was gonna say that it's funny because watching it this time i was like annoyed because i was like oh they do have good chemistry like i don't yeah. like them together but i think you're right it's the actors are good and they yeah. like and i think even um i don't know if any of you read uh evan ross katz's uh book which i am quoted in which i will never shut up about <laughs> Yeah, I read it. It's really good. It's yeah, it's really good. And like, right, they do talk about how they all were very good friends. Like the first, what was it, like two or three seasons, Harrison? Yeah, I think yeah. right. And that that really does show here that like these two characters who like even retroact like retroactively, and I'm pretty sure when I watched it, I didn't want them together. But I'm like, oh, I hate this pairing, but they do have good chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. They go to kiss. They almost get there, and a vampire is there. And Harrison, who appears to save them? Buffy, of course, with the iconic nice. fourth wall break. That is right, like perfect way to open a season, especially like, <laughs> oh, I love that bit so much. It's such a campy nod, but it works so well. Right, I and I was going to say, I feel like that's a very iconic Buffy entrance of her, like looking straight at the camera, saying "Miss me." Like it's very you can sing along in um, Once More Fear. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> I also look like at this point we're still like because I'm I'm with my flatmate we're up to season six so I'm like so um kind of in the you know the adults now whatever yeah, and I feel yeah. like when you, I, every time I go back to watch these ones it's always like God it's crazy how much of like a dangerous issue one vampire is to like well if right. one turned up it was like it could be literally game over like they're useless yeah and like the master if he were a villain in like seasons five six or seven she would have defeated him at the end of the episode right yeah. he'd have got a double episode maybe at best. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's funny that we're saying like, this is iconic because also Lydia, that reminds me, you saw that Sam Rashagala reposted your tweet on her yes, story, right? I, okay. Yes, <laughs> that was crazy. So Harrison, I don't know if you saw this, but, and, and this is actually, I think when Ian first like saw my yeah, account, um, yeah. I tweeted 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer remake, but it's just a bunch of people going around telling Sarah Michelle Gellar she's slaying. Um, and that was very much the vibe of that scene too. When she like comes in, like she yeah. is slaying. Um, and and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar did repost that. And it was Love. truly one of the best moments of my entire life. I immediately sent it to my mom. I was like, oh my God, look at what happened. So I feel like she's really made her social media presence a hoot at the moment. She's like an Instagram yeah. mom, but still kind of like a great sense yes. of humor. I love yes. it. Yeah, and like, because the few times she's, I think she's reposted like two, maybe three of like Slayer Fest things, but it's always like she screenshotted. I mean, the same way she posted yours, Lydia. I think that's probably so you and I can't ever DM her. Like she screenshots <laughs> it. Because she's probably as smart about that. She's probably like, I know these Buffy fans, they won't DM me forever. So it's always <laughs> like a screenshot of the thing. Mm. Still giving proper credit, but that, because otherwise I think it's like we could DM her and I'm, Sure, she does not want that. <laughs> My only Sarah interaction was when she... Do you remember when she like first got Twitter? She was quite late on it. It was maybe like 2012 or 2013. Yeah, yeah. And like, I remember when she first set up her account, I was like in college and I was pestering her like all the time. Being like, <laughs> I'm such a fan, blah, blah, blah. And then like when she did her first ever fan tweet, she just named loads of people and like at and was like, thanks for all the Buffy love. And that's my only time. <laughs> but I was Listen, like, great. that's you. <laughs> it is. I feel like because she's so like she was so silent for so long like having us fans be like oh who is she interact like i don't know it really is like i yeah. feel i don't know that there's many other celebrities that i would be like that excited about because the first time she reposted something someone had taken it and cut off my handle and she reposted it from them and thought they did it and i was fucking furious any memes i've made and that happens or any like videos and funny tweets right happens and, oh it's so how and like sh i messaged the person who did it and i was like hey could you just credit me i that's all i said because i was like i'm not gonna fight this person whatever and i was just like hey could you just credit me so she knows that i made this and he blocked me oh my god <gasps> no <laughs> classic though classic for yeah them. Right, yeah, classic gay guy on Twitter. Like, <laughs> I just, like, of course. Um, luckily, I am, like, friendly with Tom Lank, and he replied to her saying, oh, my friend SlayerFest98 made this. So then she credited me, and I was like, <gasps> But yes, getting back to this episode, um, <laughs> post-credits, we see them, they're all walking together. Buffy does reprimand them for not even having a cross, and she is kind of right about that, right? Like, at this point, I feel like, sometimes I feel like I sound like I'm, like, an NRA fucking conservative but i'm like no but it's sunnydale there are vampires everywhere they should be carrying <laughs> some kind of yeah. something with them right well, do you know what i did clock with this episode like i feel like there's a bit later on where they're kind of talking about vampires they've seen over the summer or anything and then someone makes a comment being like what i thought we would fix it and i think at this point maybe the law yeah. that we're kind of building was like they hadn't really fully established that vampires are going to be like an all-round problem it's not like a every now and again yes so i feel like in the I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a plot hole, maybe, that they wouldn't have, like, seen a vampire over the summer. Like, what the hell? Um, yeah, you're actually right. Like, I noticed that they they definitely do sit set that up. Like, they go into school, and, like, you know, they're all excited to see her. They have the Chibo Motto discussion, which I feel like is iconic. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I But, yeah, you're right. Miss Calendar and Giles have that discussion that sets up the rest of the seasons of the show. And he's like... Yeah, we close the Hellmouth, but it's not gone, and there's still the like demonic convergence, magic, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah and I feel like that is kind of like the explanation for we wrapped it up last season, but we're doing more, um, and that's like fine. The thing I think Buffy's really good at is that kind of stuff, where it's like, eh, we'll explain away this plot hole in like one line of dialogue, and it like really is fine, right? We're all having too much fun to really care. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like fucking whatever. Um, yeah, we get 
they they mention there's no vampires, blah, blah, blah. We do see a scene between Hank and Joyce that I had completely forgotten we ever saw them together. It's like almost weird watching them just like have a conversation because like the earlier seasons, Hank isn't as awful as a dad as he then becomes, right? Yeah, I wrote in my notes Rare Hank as well. I was like, yeah. you forget. And also her, him and Joyce are in really good terms here. They're just like yes. laughing it up. I kind of wouldn't mind minded if that was the relationship for the rest of the show, right? Like I wouldn't have minded like, because I know like a lot of my friends who like their parents are divorced, they're like parents are cool like this, where it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's our kids, whatever. And I kind of, I would have liked that dynamic moving. I wonder why they went with like the full AWOL storyline. Do you think the actor is just like less available or like, I don't know. Right, I don't know. Because it seemed like, the, the Hank that we meet in the early ones is, isn't the kind of person he becomes. Like It must be quite a fast transition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lydia, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. Every time I see, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think much about, I don't think much about Hank, but I was just feeling so much for Joyce. I feel so much, just this whole season too, Joyce's interaction with Buffy and, and um, her, how she just doesn't quite get it, but she's trying so hard. <laughs> I really do feel so bad for Joyce and, and in that scene too, and later in the episode, I'm just like, oh, like if only you've got it, like if only, and I, I say this about like euphoria now too, I guess this is like <laughs> me being in my like mid twenties now, every time there's like a teenager in a show going through something, I'm like, I just wish that they had a trusted adult that they could talk to. <laughs> and at least, at least Buffy has like, you know, like Giles and like Miss right, Powder, yeah, and she yeah. does have some good adult figures, but like, oh, her mom, like, she, I just wish she could talk to her mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause she is, she's not, you're. I feel like that's incredibly accurate with Joyce. She isn't quite getting it, but she is trying, right? Mm-hmm. And she does care about Buffy. It's not like she's like completely like, oh, my yeah. fucking annoying daughter. She cares about her, but it's just not quite there yet. But she, she makes one comment in that scene though that I thought was really harsh. She said something like, oh, I just hope she can make it through the school year. And I'm like, she said, all she's done is be quiet over summer. Why are you like writing her out of school already? Like, I feel like that was <laughs> really dramatic from her. I, I also feel like there's a lot of setup for the finale here because like saying that and then yeah. like later Principal Snyder is like, oh, I, I can smell expulsion. And it's like, well, it doesn't happen at the end of the school year. We cut to Sunnydale. We get there. There's a lot of heavy-handed. Wow, we had a long summer dialogue, but it's still again fun. I don't know, right? It is. Yeah, I, no. always, I always find it really jarring that Willow and Xander like talk to Giles like they've not seen him all summer. And I guess at this point they wouldn't be close enough that they would hang out with like an right. animal at this point. But like, I feel like knowing what's to come, it's like how, what they didn't see him for like two months, right? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I feel like, right, like 16, 17 year olds wouldn't have phone numbers of their like adult library. <laughs> no. I do, it's like, when does the transition happen that they become like pa- like fully pals? You know what I mean? It must be yeah. like two and three, like enough. Yeah, I think three. Um, I was going to say, my big takeaway from like them coming back like and into the school and like that whole scene was just like the fashion and oh my goodness, just like yeah. how, I, you know, fashion is so cyclical. Like these cycles exist um, mm-hmm. in years of 2025, I guess. But when I first watched Buffy, I remember it feeling very out of date because I probably watched in like 2012 20 you know around then so by that point you know this sort of idea of um I don't know the fashion just felt very dated to me at the time but now watching it it feels so on trend like it feels so like with the moment and Miss Calendar's wearing this little mini this little (laughs) midi skirt and her little leather jacket and it was such a moment and uh (laughs) like Cordelia's lip liner just every like little like fashion moment in this scene is sending and like even and this I don't think this scene but like I note this in other places and I've just been noting this in general my in my watch back but um 
Willow's like low key take on like kid core with like the yeah. primary colors and the beaded <laughs> yeah. necklaces. Like that is so in right now. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just like my big sort of like that's what I was looking at in that in that um, sort of scene. I you love know, how like depending on like what season or like what year yes. you're in when you're watching it. it <laughs> that's true. Just, I remember at one point like season six was like really cool, and now I watch it and I'm like, oh no, like that is so out, like not the vibe. Yes, right give it five years. <laughs> For our for our angel coverage, um, Summer Bischel is one of our co-hosts from The Magicians, and she's constantly saying she's like, "I'm waiting for all of the like chunky things that come back mm-hmm. in style because like we're in Angel season one, and there's a lot of like chunky things or like layers, and sometimes yeah. Cordelia still has the butterfly clips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you are right. This season two fashion is like very much in right it's now, so cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the thing that I always felt was outdated was like how baggy sometimes like even Buffy's mm-hmm. pants would be. But now that that is the trend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would wear everything's underwears at the moment. Like every like cool t-shirt, everything looks so like East London. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I live in East <laughs> London. So every time I walk around right here, I'm like, oh, everyone looks like Xander. <laughs> Xander. I like the idea of Xander being high fashion. <laughs> yeah. Xander core in London right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we like get them all, we get oh we get Giles and Principal Snyder, which I do like. Uh, when Principal Snyder is like, when Giles says like, "Have you ever considered another profession since you hate children?" And he's like, "Someone has to realize." And then he's like talking about them being hormonal, and we see Giles and Miss Calendar. I kind of forget going through season one for the twenty fifth anniversary. I had forgotten Miss Calendar's only in two episodes in season one mm-hmm. because she pretty quickly this season right becomes like one of the main supporting characters and i feel like she's in most of the episodes till she dies right yeah mm-hmm, i think so she has such yeah. good chemistry in her first like appearances though that i feel like it, even yes. in even in i remember you jane feels like she's always been there. there's something about her yeah her line delivery always just feels so this is a character that we want to see more of like straight away mm-hmm. yeah and like it's funny because she was the like modern character and now like when she's like talking about computers, it just sounds so ridiculous. Oh, it's so funny to hear her talking about like research and just like things on the internet. Like all right. of that is so funny. But I will say I love Miss Calendar. I love seeing Giles happy. I love Giles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, you know, as this idea of like, oh, he's her trusted adult. Like, I'm so glad that she has that. Like, that's <laughs> honestly something I also think that makes the show sort of like special and, and kind of realistic. Um, but I, I love seeing him happy. Like, I love them together. Yeah. Um, I he was deserves. so sad when she left. Yeah. When I watched it today, like the rewatch, I forget how much of like a class A flirt she is. She's so good. Like, yeah. The glint in her eye. I, I watch it and I'm like, oh, I'd have, I'm turned on by her. Like, she is. <laughs> no, she is sexy and she's got that line where she's like, it depends on the book. When she, she, she's he's so like, amazing. oh, it's so boring that I read that I read books all so much because it depends on the book. I was like, oh my God, hello. <laughs> also, I always think, I remember when I was younger and I watched this episode and she says about like going to the festivals and stuff. And I was like, she's too old to be at these festivals. Like, what the hell? When I was a kid, obviously. And I watched it. And I'm like, <laughs> she's probably my age <laughs> of course she's going to festivals right i was just about to say she probably is like maybe 30 maybe 25 mm. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah as a kid i mean i always thought of giles as like i think in my brain he was like 60 but yeah, he's like <laughs> definitely not that old they do age him though in like how twee he is like at the start yeah like, obviously they kind of cool him up but i mean i think yeah. you see in like band candy how fit he really is when he like <laughs> gets into that white oh yeah and like oh, okay <laughs> um so yeah we get uh we get a lot of the summer catch-ups uh the scoobies are excited to see him and miss calendar buffy is not 
Um, she kind of just, I don't even think she says hi to him, right? Like she doesn't really say anything. Yeah. She, we get, we do get the explanation of, we get the Hellmouth explanation and it's closed, but there's still the demonic conversion. And I do like when he says, oh, we can, we can put off training. And she's like, I'm good. And we get that like very nineties training montage. Love it. Yeah. How much of that, like that can't be CGI, right? Someone's doing that. How much CGI did they really have? Like, were they really like spending money on? Is that like a stunt double? I, no, I really yeah. want to know. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's Sophia Crawford. Is that her name? I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And she's doing all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool. <laughs> right. Like those are it, it, it like it's cheesy, but like those are I couldn't do any of that shit. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> um, she punches that like board to death, which is kind of like a scene, the first hints of like her rage and her like trauma being there. Yeah. I love that the Fire Tuck staff is back as well. You know, she's like, I'm not gonna be fighting Fire Tuck in the other episode. Yeah. She's like there with it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh then we get a quick cut to the vampires we we see that they are now following the anointed one uh which this episode actually does a pretty good job of like keeping that the plot even though we don't really see them that often and i don't need to right it's like we get what they're doing doesn't matter eh, we'll get to them at the end and like mm-hmm. that works and i think it's a testament to how interesting these characters are and how good the actors are right because there is a lot of them talking in this episode. Like, there's not that much action, but it's all fun to watch, right? I think this episode really just takes, like, a mature stride. Like, straight away, it just feels like a slight shift, and we've got more time to kind of... I think because season one was such a shorter season. Yeah. So this one, it just feels like instant breathing space where we're, like, actually just watching these characters, you know, feel things and be concerned about each other and, like, what's going on. Whereas I feel like in the other ones, it was either Monster of the Week or the Master of a, like, arching plot. So we never yeah. kind of got this chance to really, you know, watch these people really live with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so... After we get the vampires, we cut back to Sunnydale High. Uh, they're in the lounge, which I read in the like trivia of this episode. They built that set for this episode, and then it's the first time they use it, and then they we do see it for like the rest of their high school career. Giles arrives, and Lydia, what happens when Giles arrives? Um, I'm sorry. I'm looking through my notes, <laughs> <laughs> and I have... Oh, this is the scene where she you find out that she's asleep because Giles comes yes. at her and is mm-hmm. and is trying to choke her and all of a sudden um she he's like talking about how she's not a good slayer. All right, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> and she pulls off his Giles mask and it's the master underneath. Uh which fun fact is David Boreana's in the master makeup. Oh my god, I didn't is it that. really? Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and then she wakes up and Oh boy, Angel is just standing in her bedroom. <laughs> okay, it's giving Twilight. Like right? I did not like think because I, I definitely read and like consumed all the Twilight sort of media before I engaged with okay. Buffy. So then when I was like watching Buffy, first of all, I'm an Angel girl. I just <laughs> something. I th- I think. I don't. I think I just like because I'm an Edward girl too. I think you just show me the first person I'm supposed to love, and then I can never love anyone else. I think that's what's <laughs> yeah. going on. That's I very think that's fair. What's going on with me? But I <laughs> love him so much, and I love the idea of him being like this, like broody protector, like in her window, but also like giving her space when she needs it. And like, <laughs> I, he really does think that she's like strong and doesn't need his help. But no, him stalking her in the window, it was giving Edward Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that you say about like the Twilight things. I remember why I was 
obviously being a Buffy fan, Twilight coming out, and people used to make like edited pictures. If you know when Edward and Bella are like on their first date, and they used to like Photoshop Buffy with the crossbow in the middle of them and stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it used to be so much like I remember when vampires didn't sparkle and like all that. Kind of stuff. <laughs> I literally don't. I don't remember when vampires didn't sparkle. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he kind of just like she's like is this a social call or lunch hour she's being like really shitty with him he kind of is just telling her that the anointed one is assembling this gang the thing i do like and uh lydia i'm sure you'd i do like that before he leaves the window he's like i missed you and then Uh, right i I missed you and then in all caps i wrote damn (laughs) (laughs) that got me (laughs) so lydia it's funny that you would say that whoever is shown to you is like, okay, I love that one forever. I'm very, especially on Buffy, like whoever's in front of me that Buffy likes, then I like. And I'm like, mm. sure. Like I I don't get the, the bane of my existence is people arguing in Slayer Fest mentions about which boyfriend is more toxic because they're all fucking toxic. Like, oh, they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like whenever I'm like, especially when I've been revisiting these, because I tend to, lean more towards spike but then when i revisit Mm. this i'm like wait i think i lean more towards angel but i think it's just kind of the thing you said it's like whatever whatever's in front of me that we're supposed to love i and she has good chemistry with both Mm -hmm. she has good chemistry with anyone who's supposed to be a love interest because sarah Mm -hmm. michelle geller does not miss um so true (laughs) so i'm just always like okay like even with riley until he gets bad in season five i'm like this was fine you know what the start of season four her chemistry with riley is amazing right it really is like knocking the book and it's so rom-com and like the outside chats and the kid like Mm -hmm. it's it's really good yeah and you really root for them well i do anyway yeah, and I I always say that at the start. Like, he actually is pretty charming at the start. It's not till five when it's like, oh, this dude sucks. The toxic masculinity jumped out in season five. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's like, her mom is dying, dude. Fucking relax. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah, she didn't call you. So, sorry, I went on my rant. Um, <laughs> Oh, the next day, Joyce is driving her to school. I do think that's a kind of iconic shot as well of her with the sunglasses looking out the okay, window. Okay, but that shirt, I I was like tracking that shirt because I also wrote down like those sunglasses, that shirt, that little crochet pink moment, like yeah. so cute. She's cute. wearing a different outfit when she goes to school. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, and then, and then that's the outfit she's wearing later in the episode. So I think maybe oh. that scene was supposed to be like later. But then when she gets to school, she's wearing like, she's wearing like a brown, like trouser and a white little tank top and just like totally different outfit when she's at school. That is so rogue. I always assumed it was the same. I always thought it looked, I don't know. You're right. Wait, and that pink top is the one she wears at the end of the episode. Yeah. It must have been that they were filming on whatever day. Yeah. I I literally have, wait, no, wait, hold on. Is it? Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. And then... I never would not have noticed that if I wasn't taking notes for a podcast. Like it just never would have occurred to me. But because I was doing that and taking notes for this purpose, I did notice. <laughs> um, it's funny because the way I just looked at it was because I screen record every episode and I watch them for like quote unquote content. And I just like fast and I was like, yep, because there it is. And then it disappears in the next scene. That's so funny. Um, so yeah, Joyce is kind of trying her best, but Buffy's not, but I like that Buffy just glares at her when she's like, would you tell me what's wrong if I ask? And she just stares. I absolutely love this scene. I think it's so good. I think it's just yeah. a little moment, but it's like just says everything it needs to say. It's really, I just, it really hits my spot. I can't even put my finger on it. It just works so well for me. 
and I, I do buy them. They have good mother daughter chemistry. I do. Buffy arrives at school in a different outfit. Uh, <laughs> the Scoobies meet her at her locker. This is when we learn Shibomato's playing the bronze. Okay, I have, I've got so many questions. I think this is where, like, because I wasn't, you know, watching it in the 90s. Is that a popular band? Like, was Buffy pulling, like, bands that were popular at the time? Were bands that were on Buffy getting more popular? They were. I, little... I, would, I need to know. I know that okay. question, too, because I can't gauge how famous they were at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this is the first time, like, an actual famous band was on the show, right? Yes, yeah. yes, that's okay. what I was going to say. They were, Buffy pulled, like, kind of, like, uh, you've maybe heard of that band before, is the, like, bands that they would pull. And Chibo Mato, at the time, was, like, a big get for Buffy, because they were, like, vaguely famous. So was it realistic that they would be it? The other thing that, like, the bronze, and we can get to this <laughs> when we get to the bronze. I've got so many questions about the bronze. Um, is it because I'm from Kentucky and, like, did not, like, have fun things to do growing up? Or, like, are there bars for high schoolers? Are there, like, what's going... Was that, like, a realistic grab, do you think? Like, these, like, this level of, like, band to be at this, like, I don't know, whatever I- the bronze is in wherever in California they're located. It's like half coffee shop and like cakes and half like clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I can buy it for California. Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up in Jersey and there was one club that was like all ages, but like you had to be 16 and above, but it was all ages. And I remember it was in like this like half run down shopping center where most of the places were closed. And the one at the end was like the club but I never okay. went because, like, sure. I don't, I don't know. I especially wasn't that cool as a teen, and like, I always imagine it being something like the Bronze, but way less cool. Mm. But like, <laughs> I could buy that a place that's right outside of LA or close enough to LA that Buffy and Angel can drive back and forth sometimes. Mm-hmm. That like they might be able to get a bigger band. I think I don't know. Was my question is like, is it camp? Like, I I couldn't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> I I feel like. Buffy often lives in that middle ground of like, is mm. this camp, right? Like, yeah. and sometimes it is, sometimes it's just like silly. I do, the thing I like about this scene is when Cordelia approaches them, that, oh, yeah. right, we, we start to see, and I mean, we saw it in Prophecy Girl because she does help them without blinking, that Cordelia's like, she's not coming up to them to be shitty, right? Like she calls them the three musketeers. It's not, she, they're like, is that an insult? And it's not really, she's not trying to, she's just saying like, you guys hang out all the time, and it's she just wants the tone she says it is like it's. She's so used to giving them insults that like yeah. <laughs> she says something fine. It's just like in bully mode. And I like that she seems like curious, right? She's like, "Oh, did you fight any demons?" Like she wants to know yeah. like the demon gossip. I wrote down this too. I love that she's kind of like getting into the group again. Like, yeah, she's really planting the seed that she's going to be like, you know, helping out more. Yeah, this is where I wrote down lip liner. Um, so those are my notes just says lip liner Uh, it was great (laughs) i mean cordelia always looks fantastic (laughs) i'm a big cordelia fan okay that was i was harrison i assumed you were we're both gay men here um lydia that's i was gonna ask your thoughts on cordelia i yeah she's great right no i think cordelia is so great and i think again this is one of the things that makes buffy sort of hold up well this idea that they show like different ways that girls can can express themselves in high school mm-hmm. so like there's willow and buffy and cordelia and all of them are so different but yeah. you don't it, it doesn't pit them against each other and i think in some shows where you have like a strong female character you'll have this like girly girl or this shy girl and they'll be really like that that kind of femininity is like separate from strength but i think this mm-hmm. show does a good yeah. job of being like look these are like three very different girls who are all like in different ways feminine who all like like girly things but are all 
kick ass and like they are sometimes kind and they are sometimes mean and they have friends and and they are strong and and I just love that and I love Cordelia and and I love like I love almost all of the women of Buffy. Um, <laughs> Same. I, yeah. I even even the worst ones, I'm like, I stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lydia, I now that I need to know, because uh, I feel the same way. So much so that I end up I ended up defending Kennedy a lot when we were recording for season seven, because I feel like she's not my favorite. I don't love her, but like she's fine. And I don't understand the hate. And I always ended up being like, no, but she's not that bad. She's just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. She's like a hot young top who wanted to lay Willow out at the end of the world. And like, why not? Right? <laughs> no, I, I, I very much agree. I think that, you know, relationships can be complex and, and it doesn't have to be like perfect to be interesting or good or, or uh, and, and I don't think female characters have to be perfect to be interesting or good. And no, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Ah, I, I actually that. think that's why the characters of Buffy are so good because none mm. of them are perfect. Or like, even when we say before, like, you know, Buffy's not a good friend to Willow all the time or blah, blah, blah. It's because yeah. these characters, we love them so much because they're, the flaws are mm-hmm. so what makes them, you know, realistic people who are you can root for. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I find myself. Uh, did either of you watch the the Chucky series that came out mm-hmm. last year? No. So I find myself anytime there's a mean girl, I want her to be Cordelia. I want her to have layers. Mm-hmm. I want her to be more nuanced. And I kept feel there's like a the the kids that play the kids are actually like 15 so they look a lot younger and i kept finding myself wanting the like mean girl character to like have that turnaround where she's mm-hmm. like got more depth and by the end she like joins them in fighting chucky but like she never quite got there but i, I find myself in shows that i like i always want the mean girl to be like like cordelia where it's like yeah she okay so she can like insult you but doesn't mean she's like a terrible person or like there's times when she is nice because like you said, everyone has layers and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy spoiled me in so many ways with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we then, so then Buffy insults Cordelia and is like, Oh, you won't tell anyone my secret. And I won't tell anyone you're a moron. And I, uh, the thing I also like about this beat is Cordelia isn't really that pressed about it. Right. Like, it seems like Xander and Willow are more like, what the fuck? And Cordelia's like, huh, what's wrong with her? Whatever. <laughs> See, this is one of my issues with this episode and like my general, you know, how is everyone reacting to Buffy's behavior? Because I don't think this is like way out of like Buffy's normal tone of voice she speaks to Cordelia. People act like she's just told her to like really fuck off or something. But it's like, I, I think Buffy's been this flippant with her before. Like, I don't, I don't really think it's as bad as they all react to it. Like, well, especially Willow and Xander. Yeah. Uh, Lydia, what do you think? Um, I don't know. There's something about like, you know, being called a moron that that's pretty aggressive. Um, I do see what you're saying that they're kind of like, like that in general, but I, I think that you're right. That Cordelia is just sort of like, mm, that's just like how, um, I talk to people like that. Right. Sometimes, so I'm not like that offended when she talks to me. And, and I sort of see that, um, you know, later in the, in the episode where she sort of like comes out and is like, Hey, you're being a bitch right now. And like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not really coming at this in a place of judgment because I too am a bitch. But um, <laughs> I feel like that was sort of like, like I see you moment, but like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you are right. And I do. I mean, we'll get there, but yeah, I love that. This is, oh, so then we cut to the bronze before that. We see that the vampires are digging up the master Harrison, I have a question for you. Do we had I couldn't remember, and I was like looking in like trivia for this episode. Do we ever get an actual explanation why the master has bones and no other vamp, including the Uber vamps, have bones that are left? I always just always written our way is like, oh, he's so old, he's left bones. Like that's that's all I've ever kind of taken it as. But then I think okay. the Uber vamps is a bit of a don't know a plot hole there that they don't. Yeah, have. okay. But that's that's all I've ever kind of no. Well, yeah, I've never heard anything else. Yeah. Because right, like, but because that is the logic I've always heard. But like, then the Uber ramp should leave bones as well, right? Yeah, 
Maybe they were just like, look, there's going to be so many of these guys. We can't be arsed with any bones. Yeah, <laughs> there would have been so many bones everywhere. Uh, so we get uh, Willow and Xander are a little bit worried. They're talking. Well, Xander's not is more oblivious, and Willow is more observant, which tracks. Um, and I do like that. I like that. Like he's kind of like just anxious and waiting for his crush, and she's like, I think something's wrong. Um, which will be like that trio's dynamic for the rest of the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she walks. Buffy walks in. She encounters Angel, and uh, how does that go, Lydia? <laughs> um, you keep asking me questions, but I don't have any notes. Ask Harrison. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ask me other things. <laughs> Harrison, how does it go when she sees Angel? She sees Angel, and then she goes over to Xander and takes him for a sexy dance whilst Angel watches. And she's pretty cruel to kind of everyone in the room because Willow obviously fancies Xander, and then. Buffy's like dancing with him and then trying to make Angel jealous, but using Xander's like attraction to her for her own benefit. It's all this. I'm so conflicted about this scene because in many ways I watch it and I'm like, this is quite iconic. She's being like, she looks amazing. This is the song is so good. Like it's just such a great Buffy kind of music moment for me as well. Like really iconic one, but I just don't believe this behavior from her. I just don't. And I know that she's going through it, but I just don't know if she'd go through it and act out in this way. I just don't I just don't find it convincing. Neither do they. <laughs> That's funny because neither do they. That's the whole thing that Willow's yeah. like, no, she's literally possessed. Like this is so unlike her that yeah. she is that she it must be a demon. Um no, I, I don't I you know, I don't like it um because, you know, she's not being a great friend and and as much as I really am not pro like willow xander i'm not pro buffy xander no i was i was so just like kind of like disappointed her and her in this moment but i think like that's like the point you know she's doing something wrong and and it is really out of character and we are supposed to be mad at her um but mad at her i was (laughs) and so she she kind of like makes the dialogue is what kind of uh, is like when she's like don't you wish i would say thank you i'm like oh i don't know that's the only spot where I'm like, I don't know about this. It's a bit like, I don't know. I just, it just, it just feels like a lot. Like, and I just don't know if I fully commit to it. But it almost feels like a little porny. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and Xander's faces are like giving. Like, <laughs> I'm very erect right now. Is the vibe? Yeah. <laughs> and the thing I do like is that we do cut to Cordelia and she's observing. Right. Mm-hmm. Buffy leaves, and uh, okay, now Lydia, what happens when Buffy leaves the bronze? <laughs> Yeah, so this is when Cordelia like comes out and like chases her and, and says, "You're really campaigning for bitch of the year," um, which I think is such a funny line. I think yeah. it's such a good line um, for her to say that. And then you know the implication is Buffy being like, "Oh well, like I I don't think I could win it from you." Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I I just think that's I think that scene is so good. I really yes. think that both of those actresses are really bringing it. And uh, yeah, no, this whole idea of. Cordelia being the one to call Buffy out for being a bitch, I think is, I think it's more meaningful than it coming from almost anyone else. Um, yeah. Because she's like, I, I, it's not coming from a place of judgment. Like I see you, I would have, <laughs> yeah. I may have done this too, but I just want you to know that like, you're being a really bad friend. Um, yeah. Which I thought was so good. And like, right. That the, th- that's one of the things I love about Cordelia is that she is, She's brushed off as like, quote unquote, ditzy often. Mm. And like, we've been going through Angel season one and like, that is most of the season is like Angel and like, Angel and Doyle first being like, oh, Cordelia, you don't know. And then she's right. And then it's Angel and Wesley being like, oh, Cordelia, you don't know. And then she's actually right. Um, And I like that we get this scene, especially early on in the show, where it's a 
your reading is perfect, Lydia. Her being like, listen, you are being an asshole. I don't care. I'm just letting you know mm-hmm. that like your friends are going to stop being your friends if you continue like this. Yeah. And like, I like that even at the end when Buffy's like, I think it's time you start minding your own business. Even Cordelia's like, it's well past that. And so she's like, bye. Like Cordelia's just like, that's fine. I'm going to leave. Like, I don't care. Um, And I just, I don't know. I think it's a really, it's such a good scene. Uh, Harrison, how do you feel about it? I love the scene. Um, I love, I feel like uh, interesting when you say about how they play like Cordelia's intelligence. I do feel like sometimes they play it ditzy, but um, in like the school and stuff, she never really like, she gives good answers in class when we see her in like class sometimes. And she's never fully played as like, you know, the really gorgeous one who's the really thick. Like she, she's quite like tuned in. She's like a smart girl. You know what I mean? And I love the way she's just like, whatever's causing the Joan Crawford to get over it. Like she's just straight to the Mm. point. It's so satisfying. And I feel like that's really the crux of the episode. And I probably the first part where Buffy starts to kind of get over a bit. Cause she's probably like, if Cordelia is saying this to me, I mean, yeah, (laughs) I feel like even, even though she's like posturing, like, I don't give a shit. It's like, she walked away and was like, Oh God damn it. If Cordelia is saying it like, yeah. (laughs) Um, but right at the end of that scene, you know, Cordelia goes to leave and she gets captured. She finds herself in a abandoned warehouse where Miss Calendar is unconscious on the ground. And we cut to Sunnydale the next day. I do, I do like the Willow spelling out bitch and Xander saying, what's a bitch? Love. <laughs> I wrote down B-I-C-T-H. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that line. <laughs> and I do like, Giles also is pretty tuned in, right? Like he, what is the line he says? Like, as you Americans might say, she might have some issues. Like. Yeah. And, then he, and then he pronounces issues very strangely. I cannot <laughs> do it. I do not have a British accent, but it's very funny. <laughs> um, so we, he says like, you know, he's starting to suspect it's like, because of what happened with the master and her dying then buffy enters they have to cover but she tells giles that the master's grave was robbed and giles tells her that like these vampires might be doing a spell to bring the master back uh and i do really again i like that like that is the like moving action plot but it's almost the b plot right like the a plot is like her dealing with her trauma from the previous season as they're starting to argue because she like says something very like, oh, it's no civilians, please, when Willow chimes in and Xander's like, that's enough. Um, Snyder comes in, tells them to get to class, tells Giles to get to work. They're later meeting at the library. A rock flies through the... I missed this. I was literally watching and I was like, wait, I forget, how do they know Cordelia got kidnapped? They didn't see it. And I had to like Just a rewind. Rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell you what though, before, I love, I feel like this is really the thing Buffy does great. You know when like, Buffy enters the scene and Giles is like, Trout, yes, is a fish. I just think those little lines are so funny and Buffy is so good at them. Like, yeah. So many great moments like that. And I love the, like, later on when Willow's like, about Trout. Like, I just love that they always, like, (laughs) string it along. (laughs) It is, that the show is very good at that. So they get, they find out that Cordelia's been kidnapped. Buffy kind of refuses to work with them, right? They're like, well, this is a trap. We gotta, like, do some research. She's just like, I'm gonna go. Cordelia could be dead. Yeah, no one seems to be worried enough about Cordelia, in my right? opinion. She's, and also, she's like immediately like, "This is Cordelia's bracelet. It's a very nondescript bracelet." Like, okay, Buffy. Like, I didn't know you guys were like that. Um, so she like immediately is like, "This is definitely Cordelia's. No questions asked." And then, but just, just again, it's like, "Nah, it's fine." <laughs> like, the only one Xander's like, "Cordelia could be dead," but like that's yeah. it. Like, doesn't even like, isn't like, "Oh my god, let's go right now." Just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I gotta mention this before we keep going. Eva, I do like 
Snyder telling Giles he can, it's almost like a sixth sense. He can uh, smell and Giles saying, I do believe that's one of the five. Like, I think that's a very good beat. <laughs> I love all that little dynamics in the early episode whenever they're doing like these weird twosome things. Like as soon as I feel like Snyder ended in the puppet show, I love all that little kind of yeah. weird, like <laughs> forced work. That's, <laughs> I really like Snyder. I yeah. think he's a fun, like he's someone that's fun to watch. Like he's one of those characters that's just like you love to hate. He's so just like out there and silly. Yeah, um, it it gives Sue Sylvester, you know. He thinks he's oh, like yeah. the big bad, but I love that he's just this like petty villain that we have to endure sometimes. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, like Giles is like Giles cannot stand him, and like but Giles, he's Giles's boss, so Giles is like sometimes like humors him, but never does more than just humor him, right? Yeah. And you're like a grown man. Why are you beefing with the sixteen year old? Like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. He's always like, you're up to something. It's like, okay, <laughs> you are right. It's like, sir, you are an adult. She is sixteen. <laughs> Fucking relax. What does she do to you personally? I think when we see in the candy episode, like his throwback vibe, like he makes so much sense that he's like, you know, was so overlooked. Yes, it's like little excited teen and now he's just this like vengeful <laughs> hard-faced man uh so she goes to the bronze angel follows her and we get a very this interaction is so weird when she's like do it kick my ass and i'm like what the fuck i was like it's hot, <laughs> yeah, it is hot. i love it <laughs> they get in there there's only one vampire buffy immediately realizes it's not cordelia Cut to the library and Giles is like, it's a trap, just not for her. And there's a million vampires there. So Buffy comes back in to the library. Everything's all distressed. I really hate Xander's lines here, even though he's not completely incorrect. I'm just like, eh, tone it down a little. Like when he's like, if anything happens to Willow, I'll kill you. And I, my first thought was, oh, good luck trying. Like, give me a break. <laughs> true <laughs> and it's just this like stop trying to make xander willow happen it's not right. gonna happen like quit <laughs> um but he does tell her like if you had waited i do like the thing that buffy is very good at buffy the character i mean and the show but like our slayer is very good at like knowing when it's not time to bicker right so she's just like not arguing with him and asking him questions as he's like insulting her yeah and that feels true to buffy the character right that she's like no i gotta get like business right she's good at rising above it when she needs to definitely yes and you know who's not good at that xander (laughs) xander yes (laughs) unlike when cordelia is gone and they can still wait a couple hours (laughs) (laughs) seriously they're like well we'll take our time um then we cut to this factory we see cordelia miss calendar giles and willow hanging upside down because the spell was, what was it, like, whoever was physically closest to the master, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they were all in the library when he was staked by the, like, pieces of the table. I do like that Buffy and Xander and Angel come in, and, what is it, like, Angel or Xander's like, what's our plan? And she's like, I'm just gonna kill them all. <laughs> yeah. You know what I absolutely love, and I only clocked it on this rewatch, and I feel really slow for not thinking about this earlier, but I love mm. that in this episode, the trap is, like, pretty much the exact same trap that Angel pulls for her and become in. Mm. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The and then they ambush the library. It's literally like the same thing, and I really never clocked that at the book end of the season that is, like, a thing. Maybe I don't I think, think I ever clocked that either, honestly, yeah. and you're right. That is, like, the basically the same... We just don't have the, like, iconic slow-motion run this time around. Right? Exactly. And I love the thought of, obviously, like, Angel was with her when it happened. Yeah. So I love the thought of him, like, being like, oh, I could use that again, like, you know, in the future, and, like, he's lost his soul. I think that's really interesting. And I can't believe I never Ooh, yeah. clocked that before. Yeah. Uh, what I wrote down about this scene was 
Xander and Adrian are barely whispering. Like, do vamps <laughs> not have good hearing? Like, I, <laughs> I feel like in most lore, it's like, oh, yeah, they've got super senses. They can, like, they're strong and they can yeah, hear yeah. things. But, like, they're, like, in the same room. Like, you, we can hear the vampires very clearly. And, again, they are barely whispering, just very loudly talking about their plan. And I was like, what? <laughs> they not... <laughs> also i feel like just before we move on i feel like we should talk about the necklace torture things i think that's really graphic and like hardcore for like early buffy you know when she puts the, the yeah yeah throat and it like sizzles it's i think that's wild it's like weirdly brutal yeah. for buffy yeah yeah and that's how she gets that uh vampire woman to oh, talk i love it I'm not sure how she spoke there with a burnt throat, but... I, I was thinking that, like, well, they might burn her tongue off or something. <laughs> but so I, I like this fight scene. I like... I love a Buffy fight scene where Buffy's, like, annoyed and confident. Like, those are kind of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, we get that image. It's in the credits when she, like, slays that vampire from behind. And she kind of easily disposes of all these vampires. In she's com- literally slaying like she's literally <laughs> slaying and so my question for you like y'all is like buffy super fans i'm dying to know so when like the word slay started entering the like cultural zeitgeist were you guys just was buffy all you could think about just yes. all the time like yes. anytime yes. anyone says slay you're like buffy <laughs> yeah i'm on yes. tiktok sound was viral you know it's like slay 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 through the day that one i remember like people editing it with like people dressed as buffy doing it and stuff it's crazy <laughs> I I can remember just like because it was it was in that time when Buffy hadn't come full like I feel like now Buffy yeah. is pretty like popular in jet like it's part mm-hmm. of the pop culture history and I feel like it was when people didn't talk about it as much so I was like the lone gay always like <laughs> being like what about Buffy when people were talking about that and I they'd be like ah uh-huh, we get it you like Buffy and I'd yeah, be like but <laughs> right <laughs> uh, I do like her interaction with like the the leader ish vampire guy how he gives this speech and she's just like so you're gonna kill me or are we making small talk like that's the buffy liners that i fucking love yeah she kills him and we see that the scoobies are all safe willow says it's over and xander says not yet and we see her pick up the mallet uh sarah michelle geller i uh, to go back to your tweet lydia right like this is one of those scenes it's like fuck she is selling this so well and there's no dialogue she's so good right she's so good there's no word other than she's like, it's like, it's just so perfect. It's so apt. I find it so hard when people like haven't, when people talk, think about so much ago as an actress and they kind of, who haven't watched Buffy and they think of her more as like Daphne or whatever, or kind of like I know. horror roles. And sometimes in my head, I'm like, I really wish you guys knew that she is like Academy Award level, like amazing. <laughs> she is so good. Like every episode is just something that's like jaw droppingly good, honestly. And yeah. it frustrates me so much that I feel like, the wider non-Buffy world doesn't fully give her her flowers for like how great she is. And I hope in later in life, now her kids are a bit more grown up that she's going to get this renaissance because she deserves it so much. Uh, yes. I feel like people are giving it more to her now that they're giving it less to Josh. Yes. Reed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so much of like, I think of Buffy and fandom and how many like fandoms, like can hark back to like how big Buffy is in fandom and even like you know in, being in college there would always like I was I was telling my partner about this I feel like Buffy is one of the most academic fandoms like there's so many like think pieces and articles about yeah. Buffy I think maybe the only one that I think might be remotely close is like Lord of the Rings I think there's lots of like articles and classes about Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings but I, I'm but I think so much of that like they gave so much credit to Joss and and uh, I think that now folks are are not doing that so they're talking more about how much of Buffy was 
Sarah Michelle Geller slaying and um, <laughs> as they should have been saying all along. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I would always say, even before we knew that Joss was a total piece of shit, I would even like, and you know, of course I was one of the people that'd be like, oh, he's such a good writer. But even back then I would be like, but it is everyone involved. It's not yeah. because he could write a good, you could write a good script and there'd be bad actors that look like they're taking a shit when they're delivering the lines. Right. Like, yeah. And none of these actors, at least none of the main actors, never, even the weakest one of the bunch, never feels like truly terrible at acting. Um, so I've always felt like Buffy was a combined effort of everyone involved. Yeah, I've always felt that very easy too, especially because I watched it from such a young age. I had really had the nuance mm. kind of uh, attribute. Yeah. Josh. So I was just being like, these people, woohoo, like I was obsessed with them. So I feel like it's very easy for me to kind of compartmentalize it all, even though mm. his writing is, well, a huge part of what makes it so... Right. Yeah. I thought he was a lady until like 2017. I'm gonna be real honest because I just like I I've never seen any of the other things that he's ever done. Okay. And I just so strongly associated like just like end credits and I don't know. I thought Joss was a lady. Man. Like <laughs> I truly did not know until people were like starting to talk about all this stuff. I was like, oh my god! Like I thought Buffy was written by. I thought everyone was like always hyped about Buffy because it was written by a woman. <laughs> That's, you know, the fun thing, uh, I will tell you that when like, uh, when his name started being brought up a lot, I thought I was so cute because I was like, I am gay and I can tell that this must have been written by a gay man because straight <laughs> men can't write women that well. And like, I would be like, oh, I know he's got to be gay. Oh, I'm sure he's like cool and gay. And then he was the opposite of those things. Yeah, cool so, no way, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank God that neither women nor nor gay men have to claim him. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, so we get, she mallets the fucking shit out of his bones, starts crying, and Angel comes in, and, like, she leans on him, and I, I don't know, Sam Michelle is just so good that, like, you know, this is, like, uh, in the realm of, like, sad Buffy scenes, this is nothing, but even this, I was like, finding myself a little emotional, right? Like, I, I think of, she's like literally smashing her trauma, right? Like that skeleton mm. is representative. Here is your trauma laid out on this table and she's gonna smash it to pieces. And I just, yeah. I don't know, I like that. Um, I'm not sure if I'm just like not, you know, I'm thinking back at the time I wasn't old enough, I guess, but was this whole kind of episode dealing with trauma quite ahead of its time? Or was there like a lot of shows mm. kind of doing this? I think so. it was ahead of its time, but obviously you've got more context than me, I assume. (laughs) Did you just call me old? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, No, but yeah, I do think, you know, like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, when she was doing the tour for Halloween Kills, that was like the joke because she was always saying trauma. And I like a lot of horror stuff talks about that. Even like, you know, WandaVision even touched upon that with like superheroes. But I do think that this, I don't remember many shows even doing this. And I mean, like you said, Lydia, it is, because it's a show wrapped up in one episode, but it's still, I think back then, a big deal that we even got the one episode because most genre shows, especially would just like breeze past it. Right. It'd be like, Oh, one of the main characters died last episode. The next episode, no one even mentions that character's name and they're just Mm. moving on. So yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate getting this. And if there was a way to wrap it up in one episode, I feel like that's a good way is have like a physical thing that embodies her trauma that she could rip apart. Right. Uh, so then, you know, we cut to the next day. I, Cordy's talking to Miss Calendar. I I do like. I the, love I love right? that interaction. Yeah, no, I wrote I wrote I wrote about it. But All right, Lydia, know. talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just love that there's this sort of scene, and and you talked about this earlier. People sometimes talk, even in the show, to Cordelia as if she's like, uh, kind of like flighty or dizzy, or that she yeah. like doesn't really, or she's uh, doesn't know what's going on. But she talks about uh, how there's so much like 
blood and grime on her clothes. And, and she has this line, I wrote it down, you can dry clean till judgment day, um, but those stains <laughs> will stay with you forever, which is like actually really deep. And this cow just kind of writes it off like, yeah, the worst thing about that was the stains. But I was like, no, she was really like onto something. Like she was speaking in metaphor. Like that was actually a, prof- that was a profound line. And, and it's funny to me that Miss Calendar is like, yeah, Cordelia doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do really like that interaction. Um, I also just like seeing them paired together because I don't mm-hmm. feel like we get that that often. Then we get Giles and Buffy walking. The the show does that well too with the high school scenes when it's like, well, everyone's there, so they're just like crossing paths. Like I do like that. We see that Buffy does feel guilty, right? She's like worried about seeing everyone. She tells Giles she can't face them, and Giles is kind of like, it'll be fine, you're fine. And then she walks into class, and Harrison, what happens? Well, I actually wrote down worst thing about the episode right now, so get ready. But she sits down, and obviously Will and Xander like just you know treat her like nothing's ever happened, and they're still like really good mates, and she smiles, and everything's fine. But the piano music over the top is one of the worst oh, right. things I've ever heard. It's given like the worst Sims menu music, and then like your laptop freezes, and you've got to listen to it for like ages before it goes off. <laughs> it's so shit. It's given like my friend said it's so Dawson's Creek, and he's like correct, and it goes on for ages as well. It's just like constant honking for like. Oh god, it's so bad. I'm so glad they ditched those like truly like teen drama-y things like as it kind of goes on yeah but i i do agree with you but the important thing is they saved a seat for her and they are welcoming to her right yeah i even think xander gets a good line in here i love when he's like when they're like oh what are we gonna do and he's like well we could ground our enemies into talcum powder but gosh we did that last night like i think that's a good right yeah like the tone of the show like summed up and what's funny is that you mentioned the music is that the the piano that plays after she smashed the master's bones is like brief enough that it works, right? Um, but this, ooh. So but also horrible. this this was Christoph Beck's first episode uh, oh. doing the like background music, and he's so good, right? Yeah, like later on, he he's like great. I mean, I think of or wait, was he not there for the final? No, that he was for the final season, and he does that like when she's standing up. Like that's a amazing score that plays. And did he do the um? The score from The Gift when she's like jumping off the yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's and, amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we all have a learning curve when we start a new job. <laughs> um, sure. So I, I think it's cute. You know, Willow's like, oh, Wednesdays are beats. I like that we see that like they understood she went through. Like she wasn't just like being mean. It was like she mm. was traumatized and depressed and they kind of realize that and they don't, they don't need her to apologize. They don't need her to talk about it. They're like, oh, you're good. We're good. And I feel like that's the sign of like true, like good friends, right? Mm. Definitely. Where like, although I might be the one that's like, do you want to talk about it? Like, oh, you can me tell too. me. Just, I would be the annoying one that's doing that. <laughs> I would be as well. I need to have a chat. <laughs> but I like that they don't and they understand what happened. Like, not understand, but they get it, right? No, I think that that scene is like so needed. And even like the scene, bef- like just right before where she's talking to Giles and he acknowledges to her that she has made yeah. a mistake. And you yeah. can see her like hear that and like actively seek redemption. I feel like some shows that have like nuanced main characters, eventually they make so much, mis- so many mistakes like in a row that you're like, I'm no longer rooting for you. Like, <laughs> yes. They, you sort of see that happen with like Piper and like Orange is a New Black it's like no well now I actively hate you and I I dislike everything you're doing and I think that like these little nuggets and she gets them like I think often enough she doesn't always get them at the end of every episode but like again enough that you're like okay like I can it's fine that you've made all these mistakes like not only can like 
is she seeking forgiveness, but like the characters in the show that you also love are also, you see them give it to her. So I think that gives like the audience permission to like let it go too. Definitely. Yeah. And I think honestly of like nearly all Buffy moments, this is one of the ones where I'm most like, that was really out of, like that was really out of order. Like this is one of her worst selfish moments in my opinion, like the way she behaved in the bronze. So I feel like, yeah. um, the show is really good at, you know, never really making her do anything that feels unforgivable. Like it's always kind of realistic and everyone kind of gets on with it well. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I even like the like silly kicker we get after that music finally ends um, <laughs> of the anointed one just saying, I hate that girl in his like little kid voice. <laughs> Honestly, like his only good moment in my opinion. I think he's one of yeah. the worst characters ever. <laughs> I agree. I wanted so much of him. I also wrote down little Tim Cook because he's turtleneck because he like he's got the silliest haircut and like the silliest turtlenecks but i i usually like characters like that like i think it's silly and funny and i wish that we would have gotten like something from him but he's like so forgettable he's so jarring i'm so glad i think originally he was meant to be the big bad of the season right ian yeah they were gonna have him as like the main villain i'm so glad like spike comes in and kills him off in like a second i think that is just thank god because it would have been a completely different show like if yeah i mean like I mean, I have faith that maybe they would have made it work, but he just, yeah, it just like, you know, I mean, he, he doesn't get much to do, right? We, even in season one, it's like, why did we have him here? He just walks her to the master. That's it. Yeah. And that is all he does, right? It's like, like all no, hype and no payoff with him, like the whole Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that they still keep him there, even though they would have been fine to keep going without him, right? Like, mm. If this was just random vampires want to bring back the master and they get his bones and they capture everyone, I would have been like, yeah, that works. Um, but I appreciate they do a good job of wrapping up the leftovers from season one in this episode. No, that's actually a really good point. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I, I actually, you know what, mad props for those writers to be like, this is what we thought we were going to do, but it's not working. So let's <laughs> tie it up and then move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've changed my mind. I wonder if it was like a qualm with the actor who played him that like, I feel like he just gets like minimal lines, even though he's in charge. Like, I think he'd be way more interesting if, you know, he was giving like speeches or something or like making the plans. He just kind of like sits about and everyone else talks. I think baby vampire is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And imagine like them making a baby vampire, like shitty, like glory, like giving him the lines, like, like ridiculous over the top camp shit, like glory got. I would have loved that, right? Um, okay, we are at the end, and I have a very, I have some very important questions. But first, what would, what do we think Dawn would have been doing in this episode? Uh, Harrison, I'm going to call on you first. Um, I actually think this is one of the hardest episodes to kind of slot her in because I don't think she would have <laughs> anything to do. I asked my friend, and he said she'd be going to watch Jurassic Park too, and I was like, so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they'd probably get a scene where you know she Buffy was like extra spiteful to her and like an argument around the dinner table or something like that, just to show that Buffy was like you know in like not a good mood. Yeah, I can't really. Obviously, she wouldn't have been at the school with them. I, don't, I can't. She wouldn't have been kidnapped because she wasn't clear, near to the body at the time. So. Because at first I was like, oh, she'd definitely been kidnapped. And then I remembered like the rule of the spell. So yeah, I feel like she would be a bit spare part in this one. <laughs> uh, Lydia? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm not feeling the creative juices flowing. <laughs> Obviously, you know, she'd be around the house maybe when uh, the parents were around uh, and, and maybe gotten the brute of some of, uh, some of Buffy's meanness. But I'm not sure I see how she would fit in either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I came up with was Either Dawn would have been at the school in Prophecy Girl and she would have been kidnapped, or 
Because like, also it would depend on, and I don't think we ever get a definitive answer when Dawn found out her sister was a slayer, right? I don't think. So, you know, if, and if she hadn't, then I said she would have been really grumpy about coming back and having to go to school after like their dad, you know, he says he bought Buffy some clothes and stuff would have spoiled her. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise she would have been relegated to the scenes with Joyce. Yeah. It would have been quite fun, though, if, like, maybe she, you know, if she was there in Prophecy Girl and then got caught and then, like, realized Buffy was a slayer, like, then having her and Buffy having the secret of the whole season together. Right. And Joyce not knowing that. That would have been pretty cool. I do think that would have been cute. Um, Okay, favorite outfit, Lydia? Oh, I think I have to go with Miss Calendars. And I talked about it (laughs) earlier. She's got this, like, midi skirt. She's got this leather jacket. She's got these chunky shoes. Um, That is, it's so good. It's so iconic. I love that. <laughs> Fair. Harrison? Um, <laughs> I refuse to give my favorite outfit to Xander, so I'm just ignoring it. But even though I said I'd wear everything that he wore this episode, which is great. <laughs> yeah. My favorite is actually Buffy's Chibo Matter red dress. I think she looks really good in it. I think the way she walks, she really, you know, she owns that room when she walks in. Even though yeah. it's kind of a plain dress, she just wears it like it's just cool as fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite outfit, I got to go with, I like the, the pink pink-ish tank top with the black leather jacket and like that chunky cross i think she looks great anytime i mean buffy i think buffy always wears a leather jacket well so favorite scene harrison mine is the dance scene even though i've moaned about it the whole time i love the music (laughs) so much that i I don't care that she's being like sort of character i just think it's so satisfying to watch and i love that kind of lo-fi like late 90s electronic like it really hits my spot so the whole thing just I feel like it's one of them first Buffy moments where I'm like, okay, this, I'm, I know that the show's going to have really cool music going forward. Like, that's how it feels. <laughs> I love it. Fair. Uh, Lydia? Definitely Cordelia running out of the bronze to have that little confrontation with, with Buffy. I just think that's so good. Yeah, that that's mine too. I, I think about that scene a lot. Like, I love, that's like one of the, I feel like one of the first big, like, Buffy Cordelia scenes that yeah. we get. Mm-hmm. Apart from the ones in, like, um, in Out of Mind, Out of Sight, I feel like there's a really good one where she talks about never being aware. That's true. That's the yeah. where I was like, okay. Um, what grade do we give this episode, Lydia? Oh, I think it's a good one. I, I liked how it like brings everything in. It's not like, I think the most memorable Buffy episode, but like mm. I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not unsatisfied at all. So either like I'm giving a minus B plus sort of range. Great. All right. Fair. Harrison. I gave it a B. Um, I think it's a really solid Buffy episode, but like I said, it's at the start, it just doesn't really ever edge into that like truly wow moment like you know if you were just in kind of those like standout buffy episodes it's never been yeah. a conversation for that but i think it's a, a good opener it resolves everything really well and starts the new kind of tone of the show going forward for season two really good as well yeah yeah i give it a b plus because i kind of agree with what all of y'all said um thank you both for joining me Thank you for having me. So good. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you like Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can support us on Patreon, where we are finishing up Harley Quinn Season 2. We're going to move on to Season 3, probably after we finish What If Season 1. Um, and any and all support is much appreciated. You can join our Discord server. Um, and if you want to follow us on social media, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me, I am at Carlos. Harrison, where can everyone find you? Um, you can find me at Harrison J. Brock on Twitter and Instagram and anywhere else you want to find me. And Lydia, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ClickClitridge, K L I T dot k-l-i-t-t-r-e-d-g-e that was a test of my spelling but i think i passed Um, i am so so glad you had trouble because every time i've looked you up i've forgotten to put the (laughs) 
I, like I spell that co- incorrectly. And I think That's there's fine. like two other accounts that like have it spelled differently, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are there are a couple now. And and also yeah. I think because it's kind of inappropriate that Google doesn't really want to give it to you. Like it can be mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> fair, fair. All right, everyone. Well, this was our first episode in our 25th anniversary Buffy season two coverage, and we will be doing more. We'll see you next time. Bye.